0: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Welcome to Listen Now, the podcast where we go through the most important and rockinest albums of all time. This season, we're focusing on the albums from the 1980s... I'm your host, Matt Stewart, and with me, as always, is my co-host and co-cousin, Sam Tonkin. Welcome, Sam.
1: Welcome, Matt. Thank you for being here this evening, day, night.
0: Thanks so much for having me. It's a real (laughs) honor to be here, and I really appreciate you inviting me along. Uh, This week, we're talking about Dire Straits' mammoth hit album from 1985, Brothers in Arms. This was voted as the 15th most popular 80s rock album by our very fine listeners.
1: Thank you, listeners, for adding that in. If people
0: want to know what next week's album is, listen all the way to the end. We'll do it after the outro. Some people like a little surprise. If you do like the surprise, don't listen to the end. But if you do like a non-surprise, I mean, if you want the <laughs> surprise to happen now, listen to the end. you can just skip there right now. What was your relation with Dire Straits growing up, Sam?
1: Um, in short, Sweet F.A.
0: Right. You don't recall them at all.
1: I, like, the hits, yes, um, yep. because of, you know, my best mate, Triple M. Um, but otherwise, uh, that's pretty much it. I recognized a couple of songs that I didn't actually already know, but apart from that, really didn't know much about them. Not one of Craig's uh, favorite bands, and therefore not one I was particularly familiar with.
0: Craig being your dad. Yes, Craig. You talk about him like the listeners are on first name basis with Craig.
1: Yeah, they know they know Craig is Craig. Uh, but anyone who is new or uh, doesn't feel like they know my dad, his name is Craig, also known as Craig.
0: Anyone who's new as well, uh, should probably tell them that you you weren't even born in the 80s. You were born in 1990. I was born in the mid 80s. So we both missed it pretty much. So yeah. we're having fun going back and uh, listening to a lot of this. I mean, I, I don't think I've heard any of these albums in full Before we featured them on the show. In fact, I haven't. So it's been really fun uh, finding all this new music, and I've enjoyed every album to some degree.
1: Which is shocking considering your uh, feelings about every album last season.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm a pretty positive guy, and I I have this theory. I can't remember if we talked about it on the show or not. I have this theory that if you want to, you can like any music.
1: I think we did.
0: I think we did on the episode that uh, failed because you um, didn't press record. But
1: <laughs> We don't talk about that. It's in the past. <laughs>
0: That's true. Hopefully
1: not in repeat. So, no, I can yeah. see the waves. We're cool. We're cool.
0: But I, re- I really do. I believe that I, if I want to, I can like any album. So I'm going into... I, I, I like a positive podcast, so I go into every album wanting to like it. I love that. And, That's uh, lovely. So far... <laughs> That seemed to have worked <laughs> and it worked again this week, I reckon. Although, and I'm similar to you, I knew some of their hits. I knew a few of the songs of this album uh, Walk of Life and uh, uh, What's the Money for Nothing and Your Chimps for Free or whatever. And um, that ain't working. That's the way uh, you do what it. What else did I know? Oh, the the opening track. We'll talk about all this later. Other songs that I knew of theirs from before uh, that aren't on this album include, like, "Sultans of Swing. The Sultan of Swing. Seems to be their big hit, which I think is a really good song. Which
1: we realised earlier in the week is the uh, Dire Straits equivalent to.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think of it as the Dire Straits equivalent to Cold Chisels' K-San. It's their big hit. And it was released... In 1978, the same as K-San, mm-hmm. on their self-titled Dire Straits album, the same as Cold Chisel's uh, self-titled album, Cold Chisel had K-San, and the same as Midnight Oil's self-titled debut uh, in 1978 came out. So, there's it's funny that those three bands that were featured pretty prominently on this show all had their first album out in 1978 and they are all self-titled. That's wild. Maybe that was... The fashion of the of time, nineteen
1: seventy-eight. Also, apparently, cracking bands to be uh, in to be, to be enlarge to enlarge themselves to go on to bigger things.
0: Sure, <laughs> here's a bit of salt and the swing. For those who don't know it, I remember once being at a a footy um, fundraiser sort of night, like it's just a club night. Mm. And um, the the cover band I was friends with the cover band who were playing the yeah. guys from school, and they had this requested multiple times. They ended up playing it five times that night because the only it was the song that the the football club really enjoyed. <laughs> and they just kept getting to play it over and over yeah.
1: again. I love that. There's always one song they're like, "Do it again." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a
0: good song. I, I do really like it. And yeah, I reckon it is sort of like their, their K-San. It's their signature song.
1: It is. I would say so. I would agree with that.
0: Looking forward to hearing a bit more of their biography, which you are going to share with us soon. Yes. Um, other songs that I, I mean, songs that I knew of theirs from before, well, that they released before this album, they had... I'd, was sort of surprised going through their back catalogue of singles and being like, Oh, I know so many of their songs. Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Uh, lady Rider. I
1: think I'd have to hear them to recognise them. You know?
0: Here's a bit of a Lady Rider.
1: It does sound just like Dire Straits, it? <laughs> it's
0: very Dire Straitsy. They've done it again.
1: Oh yes, yes, yes! I do know this.
0: And then, well, you'd know it maybe from Triple M.
1: Triple M. I always thought it was Lady Writer, uh, not Lady Writer.
0: Ro- it's like, oh, uh, Lady Writer.
1: Lady Writer.
0: On the TV, um, maybe it's about Angela Lansbury,
1: probably from uh,
0: Murder She Wrote.
1: Probably. I mean, that would be the most obvious. They're English. They're all English, yeah. aren't they? Or well, they yeah. We'll get into that though. They are
0: English. Yeah. Uh, then Romeo and Juliet's another one of their big, big ones. You know this one?
1: Not immediately. I feel like I could know it, but it also sounds like every other Dire Straits song ever, so I <laughs> could yeah. know it by accident. Oh no, I do know it! I do, I do. You and me, babe. How about it, hey? It's Romeo. <laughs> it's got a bit of um John Cougar Mellencamp, Jack and Diane about it, like that kind of storytelling. Oh, yeah. Like Jack says to Diane
0: with that! Anyway, what you gonna, gonna do about, about it? Just looking. i the, the start. I, uh, I don't know. I think that I think they might be one of those kind of uncool bands, but uh, I I think I like them.
1: I <laughs> I I'm, shockingly I'm, I'm gonna, gonna disagree good. with you. <laughs>
0: I'm shocked by that. <laughs> the other one, the other one uh, that um. Seems to have been a hit, but I don't know by name. Private Investigations.
1: Sounds Let me see s- if I can find suspect.
0: this. That does not ring a bell, no. but a hit number two in the...
1: On the Spotify chart? In, on the, in, on no, the in the UK. Oh, wow.
0: Here it is. He likes a slow start.
1: Mm.
0: In the vein of Trent Reznor.
1: Rez Noir <gasps> That's what he should have been called Rez Noir oh, Him and yes. Vince Noir This is moody as
0: It's all Like die Straits is pretty moody Generally speaking It's funny that they're they really big songs aren't Like Money for Nothing And Walk of Life Yeah But the rest of it seems like It's totally different from it. Yeah Like this got to number two. It's a nearly seven minute long. Holy. It also got to 21 in Australia. In what year? 1982. Shit. Got to number one in the Netherlands.
1: Netherlands, all right.
0: Did not chart in America.
1: How far into this song are we without any lyrics?
0: That's the first lyrics at minute 25. This does not ring a bell. No. The man knows how to play the guitar. Oh, yes, he...
1: Yes, he do. Um,
0: The Knopf. The,
1: the right. knoff. Knopf. Well, enough of
0: that. I don't think that's turning into Knopfling. anything I've heard of. The Knopf. The let's get knopf <laughs> Let's get, let's get, let's get, let's get knopf Love it. Well, I, I want to hear more about him, because I really don't know anything about him, Sam, and I know that you've been working on a little bio for the band, which I think... Similar to Trent Reznor, or maybe not quite not to the same degree, but I think Dire Straits is basically Mark Knopfler.
1: Um, look, in short, yes. Uh, that is <laughs> essentially, yes, that is basically the uh, same. Um, so what I will start with, I know who Mark Knopfler is, did not realize he was all mate Dire Straits, So that was a fun fact all right. to learn. Oh, you know him also, from solo stuff. Well, I Dude. I think I just knew the name as a separate right. uh entity. Not it was not ever linked with Dire Straits. So that was interesting. Also I've spelt straits wrong about twenty times. I put the G H in there for some reason. Adding I think that's adding straight. difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually, yes. Um, so these guys formed in London in nineteen seventy seven, which was the really like the start of the peak of punk, wasn't it? Um, so it's an interesting time to form a band that sounds like they do. Um, so. We kind of
0: learn a bit about that with Huey, right? Huey Lewis. We did, yeah. Who went on to form the news. He went over to England to break into this scene that I think Mark Knopfler was kind of in, the pub rock, the English pub rock scene.
1: English pub rock, which is like the OGs, you know.
0: And then he, uh, Huey and his band got over there just as punk broke and it,
1: and they're like, the, uh, pretty much,
0: put the end to their aspirations over there.
1: Yeah, they're like, you know what? We're uh, we're we're gonna head, we're gonna we're gonna go back now. Yeah, that's that's cool. We
0: Well, they hung around for a while and tried their luck, but it just never quite came. And looking back, I think they were like, yeah, we timed that un- <laughs> unfortunately.
1: <laughs> um. Well, let us, let us go back to the start. Um, Mark and his younger brother, David, who I also learnt today, was in the band. Double Knopf. Yeah, Double Knopf, the ultimate Knopf. Um, they were born in 1949 and 1952, respectively, in the home tune of our best mate, Jimmy Barnes, Glasgow, Scotland. Ah. Um. They moved to Newcastle in northeast England when Mark was seven Um, and their mum was English and their dad was a Jewish Hungarian man who fled his native Hungary in 1939, fleeing the Nazis, actually.
0: Yeah, it checks out timeline-wise, 39's when it was all going down. I know a little bit about history.
1: (laughs) I've read a book. (laughs) Um, So, they both went to a grammar school in Newcastle and then... You know, they're hanging about. They're living in Newcastle, which is where their mum, it's their mum's hometown or near their mum's hometown. So they started hanging out with their Uncle Kingsley, which is an absolute boss first name just on the side. Um, And old mate Uncle Kingsley liked to play harmonica and the boogie woogie piano, uh, which is a style of music that uh, stems way back from the 1800s from the African-American cultures. Um, and was just a completely different style to, like, essentially the white people playing the music. Um, And so all these, like, funky different styles kind of really inspired Mark especially. And he became uh, really familiar with different styles of music. Some of his favorites were Elvis Presley and B.B. King. Uh, And then he went on in skipping ahead a little bit went on to study journalism for a year in 1968 uh, and was hired as a junior reporter in Leeds. I pretty much, I'm going to focus on Mark. Mark was the, we said earlier, Mark is dire straits. Um, He ended up being a junior reporter in Leeds where he met a local furniture restorer, country blues enthusiast and part-time performer, Steve Phillips. Um, from whose record collection and guitar style Knopfler acquired a good knowledge of early blues artists and their styles. Uh, And they ended up forming a little duo and performed at some local folk and acoustic blues venues. Uh, A couple of years later, he decided to continue with his education uh, and went to the university of Leeds uh, uh, graduating with a degree in English um, moving forward another couple of years, 1973, he graduated, moved to London, uh, and... He's,
0: he's moved slowly south, hasn't he? Went from yeah. Glasgow to Newcastle to Leeds to London.
1: Yep. And he, it's, you know, London is where it all was all kicking off at the time. Um, and it's funny that you talked about his guitar playing earlier because he describes, uh, finding his voice on the guitar was, um... He was hanging out with friends one night and the only guitar available for him to play was this old acoustic uh, guitar with a badly warped neck. And it had been strung with extra light strings just to make it usable because it was basically about to shit itself. Um, So, he only was able to play like finger picking rather than like a proper strum. uh, And he describes that as being like the moment that he really... Uh, Yeah, found his voice, found his style of guitar playing, which um, I think he's got a pretty distinct guitar playing style, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It definitely sounds like Knopfler to me. Just skimming through some of his hits there was, you know, he's got a- they've definitely got a distinctive sound.
1: Yeah, it's like a weird, like, strum-fingerpick-strum-fingerpick kind of pattern about it, I reckon.
0: He's got a real good knack for writing a sweet riff.
1: He does. That he bloody does. Um... In fact, he talks later on about writing Sultans of Swing where he thought it was a really dull-sounding uh, riff until he played it on a, I think he said it was like a Fender Strat or something, and he was like, it came to life, and that was it. Um, so he, well, he he knows what he's on about, you know. Um, but long story short, they released uh, their solo, uh, sorry, not solo, their self-titled album Dire Straits in 1978, uh, on which Sultans of Swing was on. Um, and the album did pretty good. It went number one in Germany, Australia and France, France, uh, and went uh, number two in the US, number five in the UK, which is pretty good, I'd say.
0: At, that was at the time of release. That's interesting, yeah. So they were big instantly. Mm. On the back of Sultans of Swing?
1: Yeah, there was a story. I think Sultans of Swing wasn't their first Um, Single that they released off the album, Um, but they were friendly with a local uh, disc jockey, DJ, um, and he really liked Sultans of Swing and started playing it, and that kind of blew him up. Um, It was later in the year, I think. I think it was maybe 12, within the first 12 months, but like late towards the end of the 12 months that it actually kicked off. So immediately it was a bit like, eh, Uh, and then later on it kicked off.
0: I've just fact-checked you here, Sam. I don't
1: know
0: uh, know, how much you can trust the internet, but it looks like they released Sons of Swing as a single in May 1978 and then the album came out um, in October 1978. So, yeah, maybe it was based on the DJ's
1: preference,
0: but it looks like that was the first single that they released.
1: Legends. I mean, they've kicked off well. I just
0: don't want any of these dire straits, uh, you know, these hardcore dire straits tops coming at us.
1: What would you call, like, the ultimate Dire Straits fan? Like, the direst of oh, straight
0: edge, I'd say.
1: Nice. Yeah. That's pretty good. I like that. Um, Thank you. <laughs> uh, but so, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, if we're doing a bridge styles, they were relatively successful for the next, I think, three albums. And then is this the fifth album of theirs?
0: You're telling the story. It's true. But it is, yes, it is their fifth this album. This is also
1: the third or fourth album we've done that was the fifth of the band, wasn't it? Ah, that's interesting, if true. Um, I'm pretty sure our Midnight Oil and Van Halen episodes were both their fifth or, or were they sixth?
0: I think that was sixth.
1: You know how we feel about maths. In the
0: UK, though, all of their albums to this point have been top five. Yeah, like and they p- kicked off good. And they're coming off a number one album, Love Over Gold, in 1982.
1: That's a lot of albums in a short period. That's very um, Cold Chisel as well, isn't it?
0: I'm guessing it was just a, yeah how they did it at the time.
1: Just every year, one, two, pump th- out
0: another. Yeah, album every year, basically. That's pretty cool. They missed 81. And then there was a three-year gap nearly between their fourth and fifth albums.
1: And then I think it was not long after that, they ended up breaking up. They were broken up for, uh, from... 88 until 91 I think. They took a few years off and then got back together until 95.
0: Yeah, they so they toured this album and it was massive. Like it was just a worldwide hit. Mm. Number 1 everywhere. Sold in um in Australia went 17 times platinum.
1: Holy shit.
0: 17 times platinum.
1: That is a what um,
0: 14 times platinum in the UK. It went diamond in Canada and France.
1: Wow.
0: Nine times platinum in the U.S. It just sold millions and millions and millions of albums. That's
1: wild.
0: Apparently, there was a bunch of different reasons for this. CDs were just coming out oh. uh, and they they sold a million copies just on CDs alone when they were also selling millions on vinyl and tape. Shit. Or cassette. And they their second or I think it was their second single off the album was uh, Money for Nothing. They started with "So Far Away," the opening track, which we'll talk about soon. But "Money for Nothing" is like the the big runaway hit off this, with mm-hmm. um, Sting doing uh, backup vocals.
1: Which I only learnt listening and researching this album. I did not realise. Now that I listen to it, I'm like, oh, of course, that is exactly what Sting sounds like.
0: <laughs> and then they uh, th- they released a film clip, which is this sort of uh, super badly dated now, but it was. Uh, this sort of CGI, early CGI video. And they say MTV in the song a lot, even though it's sort of making fun of MTV and the bands, I think. But uh, it just blew up and that just sent them into the stratosphere. So, and then they, I uh, sounds like they hated it. I saw a quote from Knopfler later saying, if you can tell me one good thing about fame, I'd love to hear it. Wow. He just, Hated it, so that's pretty much why they went on hiatus and and only released one more album after that. He just hated being in a huge band.
1: That's insane. All the
0: relationships in the band broke up or, or hit trouble, I think. And um, yeah, it just was a wasn't a nice time. Apparently,
1: wow, eh? Yeah, that's which a is all a little
0: bit of a bummer.
1: Um, now, do you have a review? Do you want some fun facts? Yeah, I can't remember what order we do that in.
0: I, I normally do a review and then you can give us some fun facts. I reckon fun facts let's do after we listen to the track. That sounds good. Uh, so, I found a review on all music, mm-hmm. uh, which is normally where Adrian Zup lurks. You know but- what?
1: Funny funny you mention Adrian Zup. I was thinking today that we've not heard from him for a while. Uh, bit concerned, obviously. What is up with Zup? And I've emailed him a few weeks ago asking if he'd like to partake in the pod. No response. So, I've gone back to the original source of contact and, uh, reached out on LinkedIn because I am a full adult with a LinkedIn profile. So hopefully we'll Take hear- uh, Take
0: Sam. <laughs> he wants nothing to do with us. Zup,
1: please. Zup. What's up? But, uh- We
0: now we are starting to worry again. What is yeah, up What's up?
1: We were so confident and now he's off into the abyss somewhere. But, uh, hopefully- Well, anyway- Hopefully he'll come back to us and we'll keep you posted. But, uh, all music- not Zup.
0: Yes, that's right. So Adrian Zup, unfortunately, didn't have a review on this one, but instead he's, his big shoes have been filled by Stephen Thomas Earlwine. Erl, and Stephen Thomas Earlwine writes, S-T-E, was writes, I was trying to figure Brothers out in arms
1: what it is.
0: <laughs> Brought the atmospheric jazz rock inclinations of their previous album into a mm-hmm. pop setting, mm-hmm. resulting in a surprise international bestseller. Of course, the success of Brothers in arms was helped considerably by the clever computer animated video for Money for Nothing, a sardonic attack on MTV. Wow. But what kept the record selling was Mark Knopfler's the Knopf, his increased sense of pop songcraft. Money for Nothing had an indelible guitar riff, Walk of Life is a catchy up-tempo boogie v- variations on sultans of swing, and the melodies of the bluesy So Far Away and the downtempo Everly Brothers' style, Why Worry, were wistful and lovely. Dire Straits had never been so concise or pop-oriented, <laughs> and it wore well on them, though they couldn't maintain that consistency through the rest of the album. Only the jazzy, Your Latest Trick, and the flinty, Right Across the River, make an impact. Disagree, but anyway. Brothers in Arms remains one of their most focused and accomplished albums, and in its succinct pop sense, it's distinctive within their catalog, so that's that's a pretty good review. There is another, there's a like a like an unabashed fan review underneath this, which I might read it's pretty that. quick. Did you write it? Uh, no, I wouldn't call myself an unabashed fan, but I'm just <laughs> I definitely rail against people who are too cool for stuff. Yes, <laughs> this is one of those bands where people are too cool for them. I'm like, oh fuck off.
1: Is this like Huey Craig all over?
0: It is a little bit like that. I think. <laughs> um, so, and this guy definitely, is all in. His name's Sashin Chavan, and he's given the album a five star review. Nice writing, and he—I love it. I love this sort of—he's just taking shots at the uh, the elitist type rock lovers. <laughs> he says, "If you aren't, be- if you aren't bent on being projected as an elite listener, and if you don't feel compelled to compare it with some of their previous output, you are likely to enjoy this Dire Straits album, and with repeated listening, fall in love with it." To me, it's a go-to album. Yes, I enjoy all their albums for different reasons and also some of Mark's solo albums later. But the way this album soothes and resonates, I keep going back to it. This is more an experience <laughs> than a review. I know. <laughs> Are you sure oh, you really didn't write that? <laughs> that oh, literally I could have remember.
1: been you about any of the later Cold Chisel albums where I was like, mm, not feeling it. You're like, you know what? I loved it. <laughs>
0: yeah. I really
1: think you... Um,
0: I don't, don't know. I think I think you're. am we'll figure this out. If you don't know a lot of the songs already, you don't like stuff. I do. You I'm can't also wanting to make a snap quickly. judgment. Yeah.
1: And uh, and so
0: <laughs> so you your snap judgments of albums that you knew half the songs on were positive, and yes. your snap judgments on albums you didn't know any of the songs on were negative.
1: Yep. I'd say that's a fair summation. <laughs> Would we say it's so a I mature thought- way to approach life? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, yeah, I, I quite I like Sashin's, uh passion, passion nice. Sashin.
1: Oh, that's a great friend that we knew. A Sashin. Do you reckon we could get him get him on?
0: Well, let's see if we can contact. He look, he's suave. He's a real silver fox guy. As is well.
1: he good for you, Sashin, with your passion?
0: All right. So <laughs> let's go through the album track by track. I'd be interested to hear what you think because yeah, it's, it, the fir- the front half of the album is really packed with the the radio friendly songs Mm -hmm. and then the back half slows it down and it's it really changes the vibe and i it's yeah it makes it feel like it's a funny kind of album it's not super cohesive but it
1: was yeah i was about to say it felt like a bit disjointed in a way which by the fifth fifth album i feel like that shouldn't be so much but i won't you know I don't know.
0: Well, I think it sounds like it was the first album that really was like that. Previous albums were really conceptual and um, consistent, but, yeah, they changed it up with this.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: Uh, Alright, well let's go th- start going through the tracks. Uh, so here's the album Open So Far Away. It's probably, to me, it's not an album opener
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there
0: I would have slid it down to like track five or six probably
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it sounds like a filler track to me
0: It's catchy, I like it This is one of those ones that I, rem- I just know from, I guess, radio and stuff I think it's a nice song
1: this was one of those ones that I feel like I should have known was by them, but I didn't know was by them. But you like knew his, it? Yeah, like his his voice is so distinctive, and I think his guitar playing especially is, um, it's, it is it is dire straits. Um, and so why I didn't connect two and two together, I don't know. But when I heard it, I was like, oh yeah, actually it was the same with Walk of Life. Didn't know that was right. by them. Which feels ridiculous know. now that you listen to it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they, they, but they are can't. I mean, this one is is really just right in their sweet spot. But mm-hmm. Walk of Life is a bit different to a, a lot of their stuff. Same as Money for Nothing, track number two, which we'll hear now. Mm-hmm. So it starts off. The first three tracks are all hit songs as well, all hit singles, should I say? Uh, this one's a real slow burner. Or. Builder, anyway. That's it. 8 minute 30 smash hit song. Wow.
1: How? How? how, how. I've, I feel like that's very, like, 70s, 80s. I don't think that happens now at all.
0: And it didn't happen before that either.
1: Oh, true. This, see, this song had a lot of, um, or still has a lot of uh, controversy around it. Because he says a word in here that is a slur against... Uh, gay people and so when it gets played on I I it's funny that we do in this episode now because about a month ago I was listening to and this came on and the word was sung and I was like I can't believe that that is allowed on the radio these days like I looked yeah, it up right. to confirm I was like I don't know if that's what I'm hearing but it sounds like that but it's because uh, yeah. they have re-
0: they've re- they recorded uh, alternative versions of it at the time as well, and it's one of those ones where that uh, I think the justification for it is that he's singing it in third person. This is like a he's not the narrator singing this song. He's not singing it from his own perspective. He's yeah. singing it from a kind of an asshole's perspective. Yeah, but, which yeah, is hard because
1: not- it's yeah. That's that's you know weird because it was written by them, so it's. I very much understand the uh, uh, issues surrounding it. Yeah, and it's a few That's a word that,
0: that you know. It's one of those words that uh, you know. Probably, I, I doubt would. I doubt they'd write this song now. You know? No,
1: absolutely not. I don't think so.
0: Or write, write that lyric now, anyway. No. Probably a lot of they wouldn't write a lot of this song now. Stuff about colour TVs and microwave <laughs> ovens. <laughs>
1: And I never understood of data, what a microwave honest. oven was. I'm like, is it just a microwave? Is it I an think it's oven? A microwave. Is it a weird mix of the two? Like, I just don't get it.
0: Oh. Well, I think it's just like saying, you don't say colour TV anymore, you say TV. You don't say microwave oven, you just say microwave. So, I, I, I think the point of this song is it's coming from the perspective of a guy who uh, who doesn't see rock as real work. He's like, that ain't working yeah. What you're doing, that ain't working
1: Money for nothing You're getting chicks your for money tri- for nothing for and your
0: chicks for free or whatever yeah. Also,
1: this film clip has aged horrendously.
0: Yeah, Yeah, oh, but that's the, one of the things I was saying It was one of the things that made it a big hit, right?
1: Yeah, well it was early in the days of music videos, wasn't it?
0: I think I read before it was the first clip played on UK MTV Track number three is "Walk of Life." This is a real feel-good hit.
1: Yeah, this was the one I didn't really didn't realize was from them, but really knew well.
0: Yeah, I think this is this is a nice, fun song, and it is very '80s. I mean, the first half of this Synth album, opening. the real, the big hits are the, probably the '80s bits of the album. Yep. But that synthy keyboard thing. But just, this is a party song. The next track probably gets into even more 80s territory but it's hard to say. Different kinds of 80s. I
1: always like the woohoo.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fun. The next track, track four, Your Latest Trick. And this was also a single. This was like their fifth single. I don't think it uh, particularly charted or anything. Your Latest Trick, it was, it got to 26 in the UK.
1: That's not bad.
0: 47 in New Zealand, but didn't chart anywhere else. I love this trumpet at the start. I think it's real cool.
1: It's got some real like war times
0: and then it gets into this super sleazy '80s saxophone <laughs> through the rest, which I'm on the edge of loving and hating. I can't quite.
1: I, I feel like make there there is no uh, there is no more correct feeling than love hate of a sleazy sax of the '80s. Like, yeah, it's wrong to feel strongly either way. It's just both.
0: There's something about this song, yeah. It, I I just don't. I can't place it. It's. It's re- it's real good, it's real bad. I'm not sure.
1: This sound, you know what? This the sax here sounds like It just sounds like the kind of music that you'd have like you know you're watching like a modern TV show and they have this weird like flashback to like a 30s like private investigator looking for yeah. some shit or whatever. Like you know what I mean? It just they're like, yeah, everything's oh. in black and white now and I'm wearing a trench coat and a hat. And this oh, is the music. Playing. Yes, thank you, noir. Noir.
0: And then, but then this, it just when it clicks over there into this saxophone, it's. Uh, this. I mean, all 80s hits seem to have big. Modern, oh, that's not true. I mean, going through these albums, I'm, I'm realizing that isn't the case. It was this weird stereotype in my head. But <laughs> a lot of rock songs in the 80s did seem to have big sax solos.
1: Well, I mean, in excess. Had a saxophone player, so all their hits had had the sax.
0: TISM had a a full time sax player in the eighties.
1: What was his name?
0: It was John St Penis. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Track number five is Why Worry. This one's sort of like a. It's almost like a kid's lullaby or something.
1: Yeah, this was a funny one. It's eight and a half
0: minutes long. A half minute.
1: I would be lying if I said I got through the entire thing once.
0: This song? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, it, it's a builder. I, I'm okay, I'm okay with this one, but yeah, I can see that.
1: This uh, so is, um. without
0: patience like you
1: might not. I can't even argue. It's literally, it's so true. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, to sum, to sum me up in a sentence, no patience. Yeah. Has two words. Don't even need anything because anything longer, and I'm already mad about it.
0: But it's just a—it's g- um, a real gentle song. I mean, it's called "Why Worry," and it does feel like because wasn't was this album? Did I read before this album was recorded on a like some sort of tropical beach or something? Am I making that up?
1: Yeah. No, I definitely reckon I crossed that information. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Where in my notes?
0: Yeah, they've recorded in the Caribbean. In the
1: Caribbean? Yeah. In the uh, British Overseas Territory. I mean, what isn't, honestly?
0: But yeah, this is a real. You just play this to get your baby to sleep or something.
1: I thought his vocals on this were super different. Uh, is, like, is it still Mark singing it?
0: Oh, I assumed it was.
1: Me too, but like, uh, I just, I thought it was so different.
0: Yeah, it's just like he's sort of whispering it a bit more, but you might yeah. be right, maybe it's, maybe it's someone else singing.
1: But it's like if you listen to early um, Aerosmith, like Dream On, for example, and Steve Tyler doesn't sound anything like Steve Tyler, so when I heard that song for the first time about a decade ago, I looked up who it was by and it said Aerosmith, so I was like, okay, cool, who was the singer then? And he's, right. it was like he hadn't, I think I read he hadn't found his voice yet. Um, So that was how he was singing, like, at the time. And then he eventually developed, like, his sound. Like, Knopfler developed his voice on the guitar. Um, so yeah. I, that's why I wondered if it was someone else singing this, because it just does not sound like uh, Knopfler I think it's just, at all.
0: I, well, I'm, I might be wrong, but I think it, I assumed it's just him singing softer, which is sort of just appropriate for the song.
1: Yeah. But it is interesting oh, when people
0: find their voice late. Like, I think that happens in comedy and all sorts of stuff. They talk about that, finding yeah. your voice. You yeah, start out really it. wearing your influences on your sleeve. Yep. And then you sort of slowly come into your own voice. Mm-hmm. The next track, number six, I'm, a, I'm into. It's called Right Across the River. I love the use of sound effects. I was listening to this album, Running, the other night. Mm. And uh, when this song came on, because re- I didn't realize that there were these sound effects at it, I'm like, Jesus, the weather's obviously getting warmer. I'm hearing all these cicadas and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's still pretty cool <laughs> here. It's sort of late winter time.
1: <laughs> That's awesome.
0: It does feel like spring is breaking for sure. But it does. It is As still winter today. and this it's starting to sound like summer. But this song just has that sound.
1: I thought this intro was really interesting because it it sounds, I don't want to say timeless isn't the right word, but it's something that I could hear now and be like, this sounds like it was recorded this year kind of thing. Like, oh, right. Interesting. I, I don't oh, know right. what it right. was about For a it. a sample then. Someone yes. should be getting it. Oh, absolutely.
0: This. Maybe this could be uh, Little Nas's next hit.
1: Yes. So many people did not know that fact. There was a lot yeah, of happy... Right. Happy uh, listeners! Shocking. So, listeners. talking about
0: the last episode where uh, Trent Reznor's or a Nine Inch Nails track was uses the main sample from Little Little Nas, Little Nas, Little Nas's. Little Nass's
1: yeah, Old Town Road.
0: Old Town Road. Gonna
1: take my horse down my old town road. I'm gonna. Anyway, that's a fun fact from last week.
0: There's a real sleepy sort of sleazy, sleepy kind of track.
1: See, I was thinking like you're in a you're in a club like one of those um, really dark lit clubs. You're in a really squishy, comfy um, armchair and you've had, you know, a drink or two, maybe some other things or two. And you're just like really settled for the night, you know, like you're just feeling it.
0: How's the tonal shift from Money for Nothing and Walk of Life? It just different. changes.
1: It's, it feels like three different albums. Like, this is really is a disjointed album, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're sort of ordered in a way, but, yeah, they... Money for Nothing and Walk of Life just seem like they're from another planet compared to the rest.
1: Sachin's passion was not wrong when he said it is an experience.
0: Yes. I think the next track, because so really it goes from Walk of Life, which is super up, then your latest trick comes down in this sort of sleazy sack stuff, then Why Why is this low tempo, low energy lullaby, And and then this one again is another low energy. Cruiser. But
1: it's like it's like yeah, it's like vibe and cruiser. Like real cruiser is a yeah. good word. i mean I'm, in, I'm into
0: this. I'm into this. Like, tune. We're feeling?
1: This uh, we'll get to this, but I enjoyed this one. This one was cool.
0: And then the next one I love because it it sort of feels like it's going in the same way, and then it just breaks the tension and and uh gets a bit dramatic. I quite like. So uh the next one is track seven, The Man's Too Strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, to be honest, the vibe, just I'm remo- remembering as I'm listening to it, it's a, almost a bit more like country, or like Western, Old West yeah, Cowboy is very... or something.
1: Yeah, Yeah. But I think this
0: is one of my favourite tracks on the album, but when it goes bang, it breaks that tension that's built up over the last, basically the last 15 minutes from the last two songs.
1: Um, a lot of... A lot of um, reviews of the earlier albums, especially, they couldn't really peg Knopfler's influences. Like, they were just like, this guy or this band is just so different that we don't. Oh, you can't really put him into a uh, category with anyone else. The only person that they really kind of connected with was Bob Dylan. Oh, and I yeah. thought this was the most Bob Dylan sounding. Yeah, totally.
0: The vocal on this is very Dylan y.
1: Isn't it.
0: So it's really... I mean, if you count your latest trick, it's been 25 minutes since there's been any big energy. And then it comes up here or shortly. <laughs> this bit here.
1: Something's happening.
0: It's like, like, it's not in itself isolated. It's not crazy powerful, but because it's had such a long build of tension... Yep. That bit, to me, just every time is so effective.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: I really like this song. I think this is really good as well. This next one, One World. So this is track eight, One World. Um, and I think this is probably my least favorite on the album. It's...
1: This sounded the most 80s to me. Yeah, Like, this also... sounded the most aged.
0: Yeah, this is the most dated track on it, I reckon. I'd cut this Mm -hmm. from the album probably if I was putting it together. It also doesn't feel like it fits in. It doesn't sound like anything else on the album.
1: Do you know what this album reminds me of, actually? Is um, Chisel's 20th Century. Like, it just feels like they experimented with a lot of different... Yeah, a lot of different genres. And they were just like, you know what? We like this song. We like this song. No, like... um, Apart from... I agree. I think maybe 5, 6 and 7 belong together and 1, 2 and 3 belong together.
0: I reckon 5, 6, 7 and 9 belong together.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: So if you took this one out, then it would be a real smooth be it would make sense. Mm-hmm. The second half of the album would all fit together. Yep. Basically but th- this has probably got more in common with the earlier sort of radio, 80s radio-friendly stuff mm. And then maybe so far away is, is the bridge in between the two The sort of radio-friendly stuff and then the
1: Moving into the the slower, the, the vibin', the mellow the stuff vibin'. Yeah, like light up a doob and sit in the corner kind of vibe <laughs> Yeah
0: But this one's got such funky bass
1: it is. It's got a. It's got a dirty little line.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: and then, the
0: title track, tucked away right at the end, seven minute title track to close out, and it's, it's, it's not as slow as I Worry, but it's in that. It's real down tempo, but I don't know. Something about it is pretty amazing, to me. Got something. Well. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It is. It is a. It's a weird album. Such a weird. Like, when I was, I was expecting the whole album going into it to be songs like Money for Nothing and Walk of Life.
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. But then, like, even Money for Nothing and Walk of Life, I think are, like, two different ends of the, of the dire straight spectrum.
0: Right, yeah.
1: Um, Which is funny, because coming into this, I really thought everything sounded the same, so... (laughs) Yeah. Listening to it, this is of all of, of all the albums we've listened to so far. this is the one I've listened to the least
0: all oh, right um I, I've been smashing it I've been listening to it a lot that I'd-
1: surprises me not at all these <laughs> missed <laughs>
0: I think this this might be my favourite track on the album. I think really. I think this the man's too strong. I li- I quite like a lot of these tracks. I like this one for well, sure. I really all like.
1: All I like. I like the man's to too strong. Oh wait, are we doing them now? Or are we getting to them later?
0: Well, I'm going. I'm giving you a short list for now. <laughs> like,
1: Why not? <laughs> going through.
0: I I really this one. I really like. I really like the man's too strong. Right across the mm-hmm. river.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your latest trick, I'm not sure about. Why worries? I th- you know, they're f- I'm not sure about those, but mm-hmm. I, ca- I kind of like them enough, and they work on this album. I think. Mm. Walk of life is fun. Money for not. Na- I think my two standout tracks are Brothers in Arms and The Man's Too Strong. Interesting. What, about, what is? What do you reckon?
1: I uh i like like as a package piece i like five six seven so why worry right across the river and the man's too strong so that is like that is a bulk not not like one over the other but those three together as like as an experience yeah no
0: i i I, uh, fully agree and i reckon the man's too strong works better coming after why worry and Ride across the river
1: yeah, yeah, I agree too. I think I by like itself that it's a lot. bit. Eh. But it's yeah, interesting because a lot cool. of the
0: reviews I was reading were like the top half of the album works and the second half is a bit patchier. But I almost think it's
1: oh. the other
0: way around.
1: I would agree because I, I, like, I just think Money for Nothing and Walk of Life are so different. And then So Far Away and Your Latest Trick are just like. It's, it's literally like the songs that were released as singles are great yeah. as standalones. But as a collection, as an album, I just don't think they fit together. Whereas that 5, 6, 7 chunk is just like a piece. It feels like yeah. EV parts 1, 2, 3 kind of thing, you know? Like, and I just yeah. feel like they need to go together and you can't listen to them by themselves. Unfinished story. Do you know, out of interest, I listened to their first album um, just to kind of because i thought so much of their stuff sounded the same so i was like let's give a comparison Uh, and it's definitely they've got like a fuller sound now but the opening track to their first album uh, i think it's down to the water it sounded like mossy i dead set thought it was maple syrup moss Ah. uh, and then some cymbals came in i was like oh yeah no but the just the guitar straight in i'm like mossy. new listeners
0: that's uh, Maple Syrup Moss is the guitarist from Cold Chisel the band that we featured in the first series of this show and uh, it does look like we've got a bunch of new listeners I would um, I'd recommend if you're up for it going back to first season and we we deep dived on rock band pub rock band called Cold Chisel who sort of vaguely similar to Dire Straits they um, started out in the pub rock scene of Australia and and Mm-hmm. in australia they never became worldwide in 1978 huge mm-hmm. but they did become australia huge they became an arena rock band in australia yeah before they imploded even and to this reformed. day they're,
1: they're huge classic classic rock band
0: and that was fun i think we should do that again down the road one series about a band i, I like exploring the journey of a band and I'll try and do it. Uh, we've, more critically we've for you next time, I think. Sam. I'll try and do. No, be someone,
1: someone's got to be positive. Someone's got to be po- where, where the yin and yang, right. where you are the light and the happiness, and I am the. <laughs> this song sucks. <laughs> um,
0: so, so that's the album. So, yeah, I feel like we're not too far away from agreeing on this one. Hmm. Maybe in terms of what we see as the highlights and what we think works the best.
1: Oh yes, yeah, no, definitely yes. Um, do you want some fun facts before I'd we before we facts. hit some grades up? So things that I found interesting—is that a new segment? Things that I found interesting. Great. We can figure out a better name.
0: <laughs> I'm enjoying that as a name. It's,
1: it's, <laughs> it's you know it's nice and succinct. Um, Nofla is left-handed but plays the guitar right-handed. Ah. Which I feel is not a very uh, regular occurrence.
0: Yeah, I wonder, um, is it the kind of thing where he, did he learn right-handed because he just had a right-handed guitar? Or was it-
1: I wondered that, especially with the comment earlier about the, um, what's it called? The guitar that he kind of found his voice on like this just beat up old bloody thing yeah but he's right. like i don't know i guess i guess that'll do for it didn't jimmy hendrix um, and
0: kirk cobain i think both play am i remembering that right played right-handed guitars left-handed they just string them upside down i might be making that up
1: no, that sounds about right. I know that Slash learnt on a guitar that was missing like half its strings. I think Slash's guitar had like two strings and he's like, yep, that'll do.
0: Yeah, right. I'm pretty sure my mum actually, She, I know she's left-handed, but I'm pretty sure she plays guitar right-handed.
1: Well, my dad's a lefty, Craig, for... Uh, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah, my siblings call him Kragos Barbados or just Barbados for short. Don't ask me why these names come about. I don't know. Okay. Um, but dad is a, dad's a lefty and he writes uh, left-handed. He kicks footy on the left foot. But any bat and ball sports, so tennis, golf, anything like that, right-handed. Interesting. Which is so weird.
0: Yeah, I wonder
1: why, how um, that works. I know. Just I'm everything right-handed. My left hand is just a useless... Attachment to my whole body Because I'm like What are you doing bro um, Other fun facts for you So Nofla is a four time Grammy Award winner He is the recipient of an Edison Award Which I've had to look up Because I don't know what that was Thomas Edison? Um, n- I want to say no oh, But I don't know Okay My notes have of- Oh it is Named after the inventor Thomas Edison I did read this earlier And apparently don't remember any of it Wonder- That's wonderful what,
0: uh, yeah, you don't know what for.
1: I can find out. Past recipients. Oh, wow. Past recipients also include Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, Martha Stewart. Yeah, okay. Uh,
0: That's a mixed Robert bag. Palmer?
1: Wait, as in the Robert Palmer? No, American business man. Not, um. What was one of Robert Palmer's hits? Uh, Dr.
0: Doctor, Dr. Doctor. Give me the news. Give me
1: the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Um, Edison Awards runs an annual competition honoring excellence in innovation in a broad range of categories. Uh, he is also a winner of the Steiger Award, which is an international award, um, reflecting the qualities of responsibility, honesty, openness and hard work and the... Ivor Ivor Novello Awards uh, which is for songwriting and composing. So he's got a he's got a very broad collection of um awards I suppose you could say. He also holds three honorary doctorate degrees in music from universities in the UK and was part was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of Dire Straits in 2018. Right. So, you know, it's, you know, just casual, whatever. Not even worried.
0: I've just looked up his Grammys. I was expecting them to have all come from this album, but only one of them came off this album, which was uh, for Best Rock Vocal Group for Money for Nothing. His other Grammys were for, in 1986, for Best Country Instrumental Performance with Chet Atkins for Cosmic Square Dance. As what? well as... In Chet 90-
1: Atkins was listed as one of his inspos in the early days, so oh, that's right. fun that he got oh, to cool. perform with him.
0: And then in Ooh. 1991, again with Chet Atkins, he won two more for Best Country Vocal Collaboration.
1: Best Bros. Uh,
0: for Poor Boy Blues and for Best Country Instrumental Performance for So Soft Your Goodbye.
1: I'm pretty sure once they broke up, Mark Knopfler went solo and it was a lot of country.
0: Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I've been yeah. listening to a little more country lately. I've definitely, as a kid, I thought, I don't know, it was probably my least favourite genre. And now uh, I've definitely warmed to it quite a bit.
1: I It's it's one of those ones that I battle with, but right. some uh, Keith Urban, oh, Australian's yeah. Keith.
0: I do find pop I'm country not, pretty hard to, down. to listen to for the most like part. Like
1: Taylor Swift? uh,
0: Yeah, I, n- I don't know if I know any of her when she was doing pop country stuff. I don't know if I would even know any of it. Like her, her pop pop stuff, I like some of that. Hmm. Oh,
1: 1980, mm. excuse me, got the hiccups. 1989 is such a great album, and I will never speak ill of Taylor Swift.
0: Right, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I, I'm struggling to think of any names, but I remember there being been some songs.
1: I knew you were trouble when Yeah, you that's walked a good song, down. I think. Also, look it up with the uh, with the screaming goat intervals, because that's great. That's that's a fun time. I might post that later in the week.
0: The country I've been listening to more has been like Johnny Cash and um,
1: oh. Waylon Jennings
0: and stuff like that. Yeah, nice one. I don't know if they're fully in the same... Do you know what so? we didn't
1: mention last week, speaking of Johnny Cash, is Johnny Cash's version of Hurt oh, by Nine yeah. Inch Nails. I can't believe we forgot to mention that. Well, I read it numerous times and- Well, it wasn't on that watch.
0: album, so it wasn't really re- it wasn't, relevant. It was
1: It was. a lot later. To be fair, it was a lot later, but I feel like it was one of those things that- I reckon- just so significant.
0: I feel like we'll do a 90s series one day and uh, that'll come I'm up
1: down for probably. that. We, we got a lot. Um- does that wrap it up for this for this album? If you're all done all with aware? your fun
0: facts, for sure. Now, I guess the yeah. only thing we got to do is rate it and see if there's any letters in the letter bag to Alan.
1: Beautiful. So, right.
0: uh, what are we rating out of 80?
1: Yeah, rating out of 80. Rate- rate-y.
0: I really wish I'd been keeping track of what i had been giving other albums because I can't really remember. But I like this. I know I've, I've listened to it. It's
1: They've all been high, if that helps you <laughs> at all. Like, top third of the number. I think...
0: Well, I mean, there's a reason for that. These are the top 20 voted for albums. These are all albums that people really love. So, it's not like
1: mm-hmm.
0: it makes some sense that they're all very good. I think this yeah. one, um, I can, I've can. i been listening to it over and over. I don't know how much I listen to it after today, but uh, the spe- I really do enjoy the back half, which took me by surprise. The first time I listened to it, I'm like, oh, this back half really just blends into one long, slow thing. <laughs> And then
1: one long day.
0: A week later, I've listened to it twenty times. I'm like, oh man, I'm loving some of these songs. (laughs) This piece. Yeah. So I think out of eighty, I feel like I would and some of this stuff is so eighty, some of it I feel like is actually quite timeless, you know. But
1: my Mm, mm favourite two
0: tracks, I'll stick with what I said just before, Brothers in Arms and The Man's Too Strong. But I Mm -hmm. I really like Ride Across the River as well. Um, and I think I will give it, uh, out of 80, I'll give it sixty, sixty-five.
1: 65. Nice. Are you, are That's you so taking large. these numbers
0: down? You did last season.
1: I am, I am collectively. I haven't posted them anywhere, but I can do that. Keep
0: score. I reckon we should do, uh, yeah, we should keep an update of that.
1: How yin is Matt and how yang is Sam?
0: How did yeah. you rate this one? <laughs>
1: Um look I really battled to listen to this more than probably 5 times I just I just couldn't get into it Um I did find myself I I've always disliked Money for Nothing Um yeah, I right. just it's I think it's just one of those ones that I've maybe heard too much on the radio but not enough of the rest of their stuff so it was just like a ugh, kind of It's interesting um, because
0: the the that's how people who were around at the time talk about it. They say it was just played so oh. much that they can't stomach it anymore. I've, I've read that a yep. lot this week reading about them. They were just overplayed, oversaturated. Yeah. And somehow you, but then like, you've you got that even though you weren't born uh, to five <laughs> years later.
1: Yeah, listening to it, What's how many years later is this? Like 35? Um, but then, like, you know, album, like K-San, for example, we've both heard that song so many times, but then in context-, uh, context It was okay again, but this one, I just, I think I just, I didn't like it on the radio on Triple M and I don't like it now still. Um, I really do. My mind has been changed. That's the way we don't do it actually. Um, I really enjoyed and and like shocked myself. Really enjoyed five, six, seven. They are my favorites as a piece. I will not separate them into a favorite because I think that they are just this beautiful story together.
0: That's fun, especially because you said that you've never listened to five all the way through.
1: No, well, I got it got to like what's it like eight minutes or something. Eight and we a half minutes. Like,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, I probably got to like final Things and then I'd skip to the next one, but it still kind of fit because the song didn't change a whole lot.
0: I like how we, uh, <laughs> even though you kind of dislike the album overall, I feel I like how we're, we've liked similar parts of the album.
1: Yeah, um, and and it's also the parts that are not the singles that were released, yeah. which is interesting. And I don't um, hate, I, I don't
0: hate the singles like you do. I feel like Walk of Life yeah. is a fun song. I mean, it feels a bit throwaway. Uh, it does.
1: It's just it's such an odd song. Do you think it's aged? I feel it's like it's
0: a bit. It Feels like the first half of the album is. Super
1: 80s. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah.
0: And I don't necessarily mean di- that di- as straight. a positive or a negative. Knopf. It's just it's just of its time. It is just whatever yeah, that it's means. It's an
1: observation. Whatever that means. Yeah. Um, I am going to rate this Oh, don't hate me, 30. Because it was a battle. It it was really a battle. Uh, this has been my least favourite that we've had to listen to so far by a long shot. Um but I am pretty stoked. Yes,
0: you did say before before we uh even started listening to it you said that you were not looking forward to this.
1: No. And to come out with three good songs that I didn't know already.
0: You had you had some emotional scars. Coming into this from the album. I, look,
1: I'm just thankful that we don't have to listen to the Eagles because I probably would have just sat that episode. Yeah, like, <laughs> that
0: I mean I'd I'd give it a go, a but I think I'm I'm probably in a similar spot. I don't I feel like Eagles would be more of a battle than this for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I'm sure I'd find something in the Eagles that I didn't realise was there as well. I
1: think I think I've told the story about why I don't like the Eagles so much.
0: Uh yes. Yes. I think you did. Well I can't remember what it was, but I remember you telling it.
1: Uh Used to work in retail. That album used to get played a lot, the best of. That's right. And it was like the extended yeah. edition best of, and it'd be played multiple times during the week. And, they, and I uh, just at J B they'd
0: play it with the visual visuals as well, wouldn't they? That concert where they'd all sit up the front playing together. I remember walking in a JB and that would always be on.
1: No, we, we got stuck with um The Art of Flight, which is a snowboarding documentary, which Everyone by the end of it hated it, but I still thought it looked sick. Like, on HD, oh, what a film. If you've never seen it, look it up. The Art of Flight, it's amazing. Uh, Do not pair it with the Eagles, extended edition, best of, because that sucks a lot.
0: That is a weird mashup. if that is what people choose to do.
1: I mean, people decided to play Wizard of Oz with Led Zeppelin, so I'm not here to judge, you know? True. Whatever works for you. Hey,
0: we've got it. This episode's going longer than we normally go for. It has. Sorry
1: about that. We've wafted.
0: Wow. I don't know why you're apologizing. I think it's just a longer album and we were were having to get through um, two-minute intros for most of the songs. So, (laughs) (laughs) are there any letters in the letters bag to Alan?
1: We have got a couple of letters. We've got David Aranda, who has a subject title, 80s mania. Hey, Matt and Sam, oh, wow. uh, just dropping by to let you know I'm really enjoying the new season of the show. 80s music is such a happy place for me, so I'm stoked to hear what albums are still to come. Also, I'd like to thank you for introducing me to Cold Chisel. You're welcome. Uh, I still listen pretty often, and a decent amount of songs have made it into a couple of different playlists of mine. Legend, love that. Uh, oh, I feel as cool. though Matt and I... Hey, uh, have a very similar music taste, and I'm still holding on to hope that he does a do-go-on about my favorite band, The Descendants. Or maybe we'll save oh, it for a punk rock season of Listen Now, which I'm not opposed to, Matt. Uh, if you... I hope you have a totally, tubu- totally tubular time with the rest of this season. I'll be listening along David Aranda. Legend. I imagine, I Sam...
0: Thank you, David Aranda. That's a great message and people can uh get involved if they want to write in at the email address listen now pod at gmail.com um but yeah uh, the descendants sam i don't know how familiar you are with them but i reckon a lot of the bands you like would have grown up listening to the descendants they're sort of one of the early pop punk bands
1: i agree i know what their t-shirt looks like because people wear them at work all the time
0: My- milo uh the character from the 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 descendant shirts, you'd know. Milo uh-huh. goes to college and all that. Yeah,
1: with the and glasses. then Friends of Rom
0: did a parody of it called Trevor Goes to TAFE or something like that.
1: <laughs> I love that. Yes, Trevor, get to TAFE. <laughs> um, we've also got an email from uh Alex who has said that her husband Doots' mind was blown by the uh, Nine Inch Nails Little Nas X fun fact. Uh, who is a big Nine Inch Nails fan following the Quatsa Nine Inch Nails concert back in 2014. Keep up the good work. Um, uh, short and sharp. Love that. That's nice. Um, and one more from Caitlin. Uh, hi, Matt and Sam. I'm glad the Potter's back. I'm enjoying listening to the full albums before before listening to the episode. So far, I've never heard any of these albums all the way through before. Same. I hope you do a season on the 90s sometime or maybe an ACDC season. eh? Uh, Thanks for continuing to put out the show during this difficult time with extra thanks to Matt. Uh, That's because I gave you a shout out the other week for doing all the editing, even though that sucks balls and uh, (laughs) you're the one doing it.
0: Uh,
1: Thanks, (laughs) Kaz. Uh, I've been listening to Do Go On for a few years now and jumped on board for Listen Now and Primates right away, even though I thought primates was a joke at first, but I guess the joke was on me because I ended up listening every week. Wishing you all the best from Caitlin. On you, Caitlin.
0: Hey, Caitlin. You weren't wrong. It was a joke. And uh,
1: <laughs> and also yeah. the joke is on you because now you listen every week. And is and did I'm, I hear recently that...
0: Primates is back as well, it's by back. the way, twice a week. We're doing uh, recap episodes of the Umbrella Academy, if anyone's interested in that. Oh, wait, watch the first season. Pod. Yeah, that's what we're also, doing now. Also, Robert we're... Sheehan,
1: beautiful man. Love him. Klaus. Which one's Robert Sheehan? Klaus. He's the he's oh, the one yeah. who's pretty cooked, but I love him. He's just... He's he... going to get a
0: spin off show, apparently, Klaus. Really? Oh,
1: my... He's like he's like Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man, where you're like, what's the difference between you and this person in real life? Because it's, it is the same person. And I love right. that. Well, it's one's great.
0: American, one's English, I guess. There's some difference.
1: Look, you got me there. You got me there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I only learned that this week. Fun fact. Hey. Anyway, yeah, so if people are interested in the Umbrella Academy, check out Primates Podcast. Uh,
1: and do uh, go on. It
0: started out as a bit of a joke, but it's a fun joke. And I've learned a lot about monkeys and apes. Which is wonderful. <laughs> since I started it.
1: We needed that. Which
0: are my favorite animals.
1: <laughs> uh, and do go on. Where can they find you for that?
0: Uh, yeah, if they just search for Do Go On on their podcast app. Uh, the most recent episodes actually, or maybe not the most recent by the time this comes out, but uh, one of the most recent episodes is music related. It's about the Woodstock Music Festival. It's Oof. the story of that. Dave researched it and he to- told us the whole story and it was fascinating. That
1: sounds amazing.
0: Yeah, it was a real mess, but it all worked out in the end. So, um...
1: And some legendary stories keen, to come. They should
0: definitely check out that episode.
1: Excellent. Um, and also, uh, because we are doing this podcast in uh, isolation in Melbourne, uh, we're only releasing it every fortnight at this point in time. Hopefully, that's not for too much longer. Uh, but during those off weeks, I am just going to spam our socials, listen now, pod on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and Twitter with random albums uh, that I really enjoy. Last. Uh, break was Australiana, and the coming week is going to be all female artists, which I'm really excited about.
0: Nice, yeah, that was great. I was enjoying watching your recommendations. Thank you. Uh, cool. Well, I guess that leaves us with nothing else to say apart from um, follow us on social media and all that sort of stuff. Listen to our pod <laughs> on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, and our personal social medias are all listed in the show notes as well if you want to follow us on there please follow us on there please make us feel validated (laughs) anyway that's all the time we've got here for listen now this week so there's nothing left to say apart from goodbye astrid goodbye Podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's it's up to you. Hey, mates, this is Matt. Sam has left, but this is the post credit announcement of the next episode's topic. Uh, And I thought rather than just spelling it out, because some people might accidentally be listening to this, maybe it's just run on and they don't want to know. So to make it a little bit more fun, I'm just gonna give you the first lyric of the album and it goes like this. This is a public service announcement with guitars. Now you'll either know that or you'll can look it up if you want to, or you can ignore it. You've got all options available. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. So we'll see you next time.